Blog Talk Radio.
Oh! 
Thank you. 
way it doesn't change. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. I appreciate this. Oh, it's more than Whoever did it, I don't care. I just appreciate it. I was about to show something. Well, I just want you to know I appreciate it. I was strangling up here. that it 
this kind of this, this area that we're recapping, it began way back in chapter 14. Now, we're not going to recap all these chapters, but I want you to understand that. But <coughs> you remember this kind of started back when Back in chapter 14 with Jesus saying, let not your heart be troubled. Because their hearts were troubled. This was the last the last uh, words of Jesus to his disciples. Again, as they are headed toward Gethsemane. Of course, at Gethsemane, he prays his high priestly prayer. And then when he arises from prayer, torches, seen coming into the garden, soldiers, Judas, he's betrayed with a kiss, taken into custody, and his mock trial begins, and so the march toward Calvary begins. But in these last intimate moments, Jesus is sharing his last thoughts with these disciples before one of the most well, disastrous at that point, moments of their life. Confusing, doubtful, whatever you want to put it, whatever words you want to put on it. They they were going through a trial of their faith. But as Jesus is speaking to them, of course he's saying these these are the very final words before Calvary. Again, I mean once he gets to the garden, I mean the only thing else he said to them as far as my record is standing there thinking is what could you not wait with, watch with me for one hour? That's the only other thing I remember other than wait here. And, uh, you know, so all the important last-minute instructions the Lord has given them and how important these words are. But I notice as I'm reading, I notice as I'm reading, uh, let, let's just let's just start over there. I'll kind of show you where I came, where I how I got to where I'm at this morning. So uh, let's just read. We'll read from where we ended last week. We'll read down to the end of the chapter. So if you would look there, John 16 and verse 25. We'll read verse 25 down through 33. So John 16:25, following these things, have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and, I, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world, and I go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered. Every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. 
In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let's go to the Lord prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before the throne this morning. Lord, we need you. Oh, Lord, how I need you. Oh, Lord, how my soul cries out for your power this morning. Lord God, I need you. Every fiber of my being, every thought that goes through my brain, Lord, everything, I want you to control it. I want you to breathe on me with your spirit, Lord. I want you to speak through me. Empower me. Help me. Lord, I want to be a help to them. Make us spirit-filled listeners today, Father. Open our understanding. Draw our attention away from the things of of daily life, the things of this world. Focus focus and fix our minds on on your word. Help us to grasp and glean all we can from it. Lord, give me the thoughts that have coursed through my mind over the last few days. Lord, I pray you'd empower them. Help us now to glean what we can from the Scripture these next few moments. The Lord will give you praise and glory. Jesus, we just thank you that you are such a friend. Oh, you're you're a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. You give peace to passes all understanding. Help us, Lord, as we walk with these disciples up to the garden. Help us, Lord, to grasp the things that you have to say. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Just as uh, two weeks ago I was pointing out to you how I saw seven times in the scriptures where it said a little while, a little while, a little while. Well, I found five times in this uh, discourse that Jesus gives to his disciples, five times I find where he makes this statement, these things have I spoken them. Five times, the same phrase is repeated. These things have I spoken unto you. So I go to my concordance and I type in, these things have I spoken unto you. They're all in John. They're all in this one passage of Scripture. <clears throat> so I go back and I look at it and I, and I began to look at why did he speak these things unto them. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to summarize this entire discourse that he gave to them. These are the last words of the Lord Jesus to his disciples before before the crucifixion. So the first thing I want you to do, and I want you to turn back to to chapter 14 and verse 25. We're going to look at all five of them. Three or more more, uh, stand out more than the the other two, but we're going to look at all of them. John chapter 14. In verse 25. John 14, verse 25, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Now, he said that because, again, he had not left as of yet, but he is about to leave. And he begins with his statement, These things have I spoken to you, being yet present with you, because I'm about to leave. And again, these these things are crucial to them because they have they are about to undergo massive separation anxiety. 
like they have never known before. Me and my wife just spending so much time as we have just just over the course of having this baby and, and me being being there with her constantly day after day, helping her and taking care of things. When I get ready to go off to town, she gets a little separation anxiety. She's been used to being with me every day, all day long now. And, and uh, that wasn't always the way it's been. But, but you know, she get a little separation anxiety just being apart for a little while. And they have not been apart from Jesus in three years. Day after day. Everywhere they went, they went to Jesus. Everything they did, Jesus was with them. So now he's about to go away. <clears throat> and so these words he's speaking under them are crucial. First thing I want to point out to you is John 14, 25. These things are spoken to you, being yet present to you. He wants to give them words of comfort. <clears throat> he told them, he said, I, you know, I'm not going to leave you. Comfortless. John 14, if you want to back up and see what, why he spoke these words under them. John 14, verse 16. <clears throat> he said, and I will pray to the Father... And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And of course, he's speaking of a comforter just like himself because he has been their comfort. He has been their everything. He has met their every need. He has taught them everything that they needed to know. I mean, everything they have depended on him day and night. Every time that they failed in something and they couldn't, they couldn't achieve something, they'd come to him, Jesus. Why couldn't we do this? And he tells them, it's because you have little faith. You're not trusting me like you ought to. And, you know, and, and he shows them time and time and time and time again. He has been a comfort to them. Even when, even in their failings, he's uplifted them. He's taught them. He showed them. He, he never, he never uh, pushes them away from him. He said, oh, you have little faith, but he never pushes them away. He's always been the comfort that they needed. And he said, I'm going to give you another one. And he may abide with you forever. That same comfort, Jesus is saying, that they have had day in and day out, they will not have to do without it. No, I'm going to give you my spirit, and he's going to be everything that I have been to you day in and day out from now on forever. Thank God you and I have that very same spirit living within us. We have the very spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ with us 24-7, day in, day out, there's never a time when we can't be comforted. Did you hear what I said? Can't be comforted. Listen to me. There are often times when we don't want to be comforted, but there is never a time when we can't be comforted because we have the availability of God's Holy Spirit 24-7, 365 days a year. And he said, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. This is going to kind of tie in a little bit with Sunday school this morning where we talked about coming out from among the world and if we want to have the holiness of God, if we want to be mature believers, if we want to achieve what God wants us to achieve, if, he want, if we're to have a pure heart, if we're to come from a pure conscience, we have to come out from the world. And here he says, the world can't receive the Spirit of God. The world doesn't understand the Spirit of God because the world is natural. The world is not spiritual and therefore cannot receive the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. And he said, and because the world seeth them not. And neither knoweth him. It's just a fairy tale to this world, the Holy Spirit of God. That's make-believe. That's imaginary. To them, that's just as imaginary as Tinkerbell. 
to Peter Pan. I'm telling you now, listen, we know different. God has told us, listen, he spoke these words so that we wouldn't go around feeling as though we're just, we're, we're like, listen, thank God we're not like, we're not like the Buddhists. Thank God we don't rely on there being some big bronze statue somewhere that gives us some kind of sense of well-being. I thank God I don't have to walk up to some cold metal object and say, there's my God. No, thank God, mine is real. He's so real, I feel his presence in me every single day that I live. He dwelleth with you. The Bible says, where can I receive him? But he, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And these are words of comfort that Christ is giving them. These things have I spoken unto you. Why? For comfort. John 14, 26. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. He's saying, listen, be comforted because he's going to teach you. He says, listen, there's a lot you don't know yet, but he's going to teach you. He's going to take the word of God and he's going to instruct you just as, just as Christ day after day took the word of God and instructed them and taught them what God wanted and what God expected and how God wanted to bless and how God wanted to help and how God wanted them to, to demonstrate his characteristics to the lost and dying world. So will the Spirit of God do the very same thing. He'll teach you all things. He'll bring all things to remembrance. You say, well, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know a lot of Bible. You know what? You've read a lot of Bible. You may not remember where it's at. I'm the world's worst about that. I don't know. All I can tell people is, you know what? Them numbers on them chapters and all that, that ain't inspired. <laughs> I'm terrible when it comes to all them numbers, where it's like that. But I can tell you what it says. Amen? And how do I know I can tell you what it says? Because when I read it, I hid it in my heart. I may not be able to just say birth after birth after birth after birth, but when it's needed, the Spirit of God brings it to my remembrance so that I'm able to help someone else. He'll bring all things to remember whatsoever I said unto you, the Bible says. The very things, nothing different, though. He's going to reveal the things of Christ in you and through you. And then over in chapter 16, I know we're away from John 14, but over in chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, How be it when he, the Spirit of God, I'm sorry, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. He will guide you into all truth. Amen? Not only will he teach you all things, but he'll guide you. In the all truth. Amen? Listen, God, I like that. He's a guide. Kind of like a tugboat getting a big ship in the harbor. It's kind of hard for that big ship to fit up in there in the harbor, but that tugboat, he can take that big ship and put it right where he wants it. Like this. And God knows that, 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 that without his help, we'd we make a mess. Just look at all the denominations of the world. A lot of them done it without God. Amen? They come like I they run across some little thing they thought they saw, and they built a whole doctrine on it without God's help because it ain't in the Bible. Amen? That's what happens. Thank God I have the Spirit of God to guide me so I don't go wrong, don't go off in some crazy direction. Amen? He'll guide us into all truth. For he not eat my speak himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Listen, I, I, I'm not scared when I look at this world. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I get concerned because of my children. I get concerned because of my grandchildren. 
And I'm concerned for my great-grandchildren that ain't been born yet. Why? Because I know how this world is right now. And I look at how it's going to be down the road if things don't change. And it may not change for the better. Matter of fact, I don't, I don't, I don't really expect it to get changed to change for the better because I know what the Bible teaches. I don't know if we're at the very end or not, but if we are, I know what the Bible teaches. So could God send revival again? Sure he could. Do I hope he does? Absolutely. I'd love to live, live the rest of my days out in a, in, a, in a land that's been revived and people serve God. It'd be great, but... I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket because I'm a realist and I realize that, that this world is a sinful world and the devil is on the march. <clears throat> but when he should show me things to come, listen, he's not, it's not that the Holy Spirit of God is showing me all the horrible things to come. The Spirit of God is showing me there's a home waiting on me. There's a land fairer than that. By faith I can see it afar. That's what he's showing me. Listen, I, I thank God that the Spirit of God makes me homesick for heaven. We were listening. We were listening to, to some gospel music on the way to church this morning. I don't know if you've ever heard this song. Someday, I can't even tell you the words. Someday when this old life is over, someday, I can't even remember all the words to it. But oh, I have tears coming down my cheeks on the way to church this morning. And it, it, it's, it's not because I was grieving. It's because I was thinking of all those that have gone on before that are over awake and thinking of when we get home what a blessed day it'll be. There won't be any more weeping. There won't be any more sadness. There won't be any more strife. There won't be any more trials. There won't be any more ugliness. Oh, it'll just be peace and rest forevermore and we'll be full of joy. I, I look forward to what's to come. the Spirit of God to, to, to uh, <coughs> he agrees in my spirit. That's, 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 he, he says, that's your life. That's where you need to keep your eyes focused. We're headed home. He'll show you things to come. The Bible said, he shall glorify me, Jesus said. He shall receive a mind and show it unto you. So he's saying, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry, guys. Listen, I'm going away with the Spirit of God. He is going to take all these things. He's not going to let you get off course. He's not going to, he's not going to let you get off track. He's going to do just as I did. He's going to guide you. When you begin to get off here, he'll get you right back on track. Listen, he'll not give you anything other than what I've been giving you. He's going to do the very thing that I've been doing. So don't let your heart be troubled. I want you to know that I'm going to leave you with comfort. Amen. The second thing he said, John 15, 11. John 15, 11. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. That's, that's the joy. Listen to me now. He's referring to the joy that Jesus experiences in his relationship with the Father. Can you imagine what level of that joy? Now, he said, my joy shall be in you. Now, let's, let's consider that for a minute. The joy that Jesus experiences 
in his relationship with the Father is in us. We need to tap that number. Amen. I mean, listen. It's, it's, God said it's there. I'm going to read it again just to make sure these things that I've spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Have I ever experienced that joy before? Yes, you have. You got it when you got saved. Amen? The day you got saved and all the sin, way your sins come off of you, you know what that joy is like. Now listen, the Bible tells us to rejoice, 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 rejoice. The Bible says rejoice evermore. What does that mean? We need to go back and visit that same joy, that same joy, his joy, the joy that comes in knowing that we're a child of God. Now that's what he's talking about. He said that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Well, what's my joy full of? My joy is full of his joy. And God says that I want that level to be full. Okay? So how does that happen? Well, God's going to tell you. Turn back to John 5, 15, verse 4. John 15, verse, verse 4. Christ said right there, again, you know this whole passage, John 15, this is all about the vine and the branches. He said, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. You want joy? That's where you find it. Abide in me and I in you. Again, I've used this before. Abide means to knit. Be knit together. Okay? It's like a lady sitting in crochet and an ass game. Okay? I mean, I've seen some that were thick, you know, heavy. They go thick ass games. You can pull and stretch that thing all the way across the living room. You may stretch it out of shape, but you ain't going to rip it because it, it's thick and it's knitted together. Jesus said our relationship ought to be like this. Listen, we may stretch it, but it ain't never coming apart. Amen? Listen, he said, you abide in me. And he used, and he said, he used the branch and the vine as an example. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. He said, you want to have joy? Then you stay connected with me. You stay right next to me. You get your joy from me. You, you, I'm the source of all that's good in your life. In verse 7 through 10, he said, If ye abide in me, if we are tied to Jesus, connected to Jesus, I mean, our life is inseparable from Jesus. I'm talking about if I get up and I go to the store, I'm still going to be the same Christian I was sitting in church. If I get up and I go to a restaurant and sit down to eat, I'm still going to be the same person I was sitting in church. If I get up and I go wherever I go, doesn't make no difference. Whatever kind of situation you put me in, no matter how difficult, no matter how stressful, I'm still going to be the same person that I was sitting in church. Why? Because I am abiding in Christ. And my relationship, my standing with him, does not change whatsoever, no matter what my relationship to this world or the circumstances of life are, because what I have in him is unshakable and unmovable, and it is the source of all the joy in my life. In this world, the devil and everything that he has cannot take that from me. So he's saying, I'm speaking this to you because I want you to remember that. I don't want the devil to be able to 
pluck you out of your joy. And again, he, he, said, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and he shall be done unto you. Again, well, let's just, let's just remember that. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Again, that if you're abiding in Christ and his words are abiding in you, then that means that, you know what, you're living your life for the Lord. And his words are the most are more important than any other words in your life. What God wants is what you want. His will is your will. His words are your words. He said if you can live that life, then all you got to do is go to the Father. Because you've already got the existence. Y'all remember that from last week? The authority. You go to God for the doom. You shall ask what you will. That's the power. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Just like going to the Father and praying. Right? That's it. Power. God wants to do through you what he was doing in this world to the disciples ministry. He wants to continue through me and you preaching the gospel into all the world. He said, herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. That fruit is people. That fruit is new believers. He said, so shall you be my disciples. And if we will do that, if we will, if we will uh, begin to witness for Christ, and we'll, we'll, if you witness to enough people, guess what's going to happen? Somebody's going to get saved. You witness to enough people praying for somebody to get saved, eventually somebody's going to get saved. And when you see somebody get saved, I'm going to tell you something, friend. You ain't never felt the joy like you have, like you will then. You ain't felt that kind of joy since you got saved yourself. I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't nothing better in this world than leading a precious soul to Jesus Christ. You talk about joy, my friend. You're going to experience it. Now, he said, and continuing down in that scripture, I was, I, was in chapter, I was in John 15, verse 8. Let's look at verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So if we want to enjoy that joy that he's talking about, our joy to be full, again, we have to keep going. It has to be a daily event. So we get up on purpose and we plan our day to spend with God. You say, well, I got a busy day. I, got busy. I get busy and I run. Don't kick God out of your head. Don't move God to the side for your day. If you're too busy for God, then you're too busy. If you want joy in your life, you'll put God first. Verse 10, he said, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. And abide in his love. So how do we have joy? We abide in him. We abide in him. We start bearing fruit. We continue. And we keep his commandments. I want to share with you a verse of scripture. I want to share with you a thought of this. All right? We're talking about having joy. Ephesians 5.18. I'm quoting to you. You know it. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, 
but be filled with the Spirit. Now listen to me. Hear me. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, you know what? You're going to have joy. Amen? You're going, why? How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells us. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, second one. So if you're going, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to have joy. Well, Spirit-filled man. Let me share share with you three things real quick about a Spirit-filled man. A man who's filled with the Spirit of God. That verse there, I'm going to give you a sermon in one little verse right here. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. For a man is drunk, when he's physically drunk with alcohol, he acts different than he does when sober. Okay? When a man is, when he's, when he's drunk with alcohol, y'all heard the terminology, he thinks he's 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Y'all heard that before. Okay? So what's that tell me? Man gets drunk, he's got a new courage about it. He'll fight the biggest man in the world. He ain't scared of nothing. Well, let me tell you something. When a man is full of the Spirit of God, when a man is full of God's Spirit, he ain't scared of nothing. When a man's full of the Spirit of God, he'll go down in a valley with a slingshot and a handful of rocks and take a giant down. When a man's full of the Spirit of God, he'll walk into a fiery furnace and say, if I perish, I perish. When a man's full of the Spirit of God, he'll go, to, he'll go down in that den of lions and lay his head down and sleep. That's what God meant when he said they're not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. When a man is drunk with wine, y'all ever notice? Well, y'all, y'all, y'all experience enough television to know what I'm talking about. Christ on me, rounds everybody. I got the best rounds. But I grew up with a daddy who was drunk. So I got well versed in alcoholism. The man gets full of alcohol, he wants to buy everybody. Why? He wants to show off his generosity. When a man gets full of the Spirit of God, you know what happens? I just hope he's real full. Pretty soon he, he's helping missionaries. He's trying to find out what he can do to help the church. Why? Because he's full of the Spirit of God. He's got the joy of the Lord. I want to do something for God. I need to. I've got, I only got this amount of time on this earth. I want to make the most of it for God while I'm here. Why? I'm full of joy ready to do something. Be not drunk with wine, where it says to be filled with the Spirit. Guess what else he gets? A drunk man. A drunk man, you know what he'll do? Ain't no man up here. Oh, I just love you. Oh, man, I just love you so much. You're such a good friend, though.
just a new emotional prison. But let me tell you something. Just the same way you let a man get full of joy, get full of the Spirit of God, and he don't care who hears him shout, he don't care who thinks what about it when he gives God glory because he's got a new emotional freedom. Amen. I didn't say he gets extra biblical. But I'm going to tell you something. There's joy in the Lord. There is joy in the Lord. First Peter 1 8, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not uh, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That tells me it ain't just a, eh, I'm sorry, no, it's something real that they got to speak up about and let somebody know. I'm going to tell you right now, you, you let a kid get something that they've been wanting for a long time, they're going to tell everybody they got it. Get for the God! Get for the God! You know what? We ought to be at the of our salvation. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, it, I, I think it's a shame when we give things in this earth more glory than we do what we have in Christ. Amen. Number three. got to hurry on. Number three. He gives, I say he gives words of comfort, words of joy, he gives words of encouragement. John 16.1. Turn over there real quick with me. John 16.1. These things that I've spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. And again, I, 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 I just, we just missed this a couple weeks ago, but I just want to hit on it again. He told them again, the world's going to hate you. They're not going to like you at all. They're not going to be your friend. The world's going to be your enemy. He said in John 15, 18 through 21, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. The world would love you if you were just like them. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. That don't sound like encouragement. No, Jesus is trying to tell them, listen, you are standing on my side. You're not on that world side anymore. You're over here on the winning side with me. He's not saying over here with me it's bad. They're going to hate you and be a terrible life over here. No, he's saying, listen, they're going to despise you. They're going to hate you because they don't like what you have. They don't like what you have in me because they don't like me. They don't want me. They hate me. And because they hate me, that's the only reason they hate you. That's the divider. That's the separating line. He said, I came to send division. Christ came to give to send division between a mother and her daughter, between a son and his father, between a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law, son-in-law and son-in-law. Listen, the Bible, Christ causes division. He said, I want you to be, I want you to be encouraged, though. He said, remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. Don't expect any preferential treatment that they didn't give me. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. 
But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. Why? Because they don't want my salvation. Because they know not him that sent me. They think they know him, but they don't know him. In verse 27, he said, And ye also shall bear witness, because you've been with me from the beginning. And then in 15, verse 12, he said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Did Christ ever let the fact that there were people that hated him stop him from loving him? Did it ever stop him from going to those that were needed? Did it ever stop him from doing anything that he did, the fact that other people hated him? I mean, they tried to they tried to run him off a cliff one time. They, they, they tried to arrest him time and time and time and time and time again. Did Jesus say something? Well, this just isn't working out. I guess, you know, every time I try to do anything, they just they hate me, so I guess I'll quit. So if he didn't let those things discourage him, if he didn't let those things cause him to give up, if he didn't let those things stand in his way, he's saying to his disciples, look, it's not going to be a bit of roses. It's not going to be easy. But I am with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to fill your joy up to the top. I want to encourage you that you are standing with me on my side. And together, we are the majority. Verse number four, I got to hurry. John 16, 25. John 16, verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall speak, I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs but I shall show you plainly of the Father. He's speaking to them words of clarity. Words of clarity. He said, right now, I'm speaking to you in part. And he's just finished speaking to them about his going away, that old in a little while business, where he's telling them, you know, there's going to be a tribulation time. There, there's, I'm going away, and, and, and that time of tribulation is coming. But after that, it's when I'm coming back. He gave them some clarity in the matter. And, of course, they answered and said, now we understand. Now we understand. <laughs> Colossians 1, 25-27, Paul said, Wherever I, Whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but it's now made manifest to his son. Jesus said there, you saw what he said back in John. He said, the time cometh when I shall speak no more, when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Paul's saying here, the mystery, he said, I'm giving you the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest unto his saints. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of that was a mystery. But Jesus, is, Jesus tells us, 
Pretty soon it's going to all be made plain to them. All the things that they did not understand, once he went back to the Father, the Spirit of God began to reveal to them the way it was going to be, and they began to understand. Why? Because they had the Spirit of God and them revealing those things to them. And, and they began to understand how, that, God had, that God had opened the gospel to the Gentiles and, and, and the Apostle Paul took the gospel throughout all the world, the known world at that time. In Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18, he makes this statement about clarity. He says, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not anything complicated, no, great plainness. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now they can't see. They're blind to it. They cannot see that the Messiah has come. They're blind to that. All right? He said, but even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. They can't believe. Why? Because they don't believe that Christ is the only way. And the veil is over their heart. They cannot see. They don't have clarity. He's talking about the Jews. Now, the Lord is that, is that spirit. I'm sorry. I, I skipped a verse. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, that's like looking in the mirror. We, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord changes us. Every time we look into the Word of God, every time the Word of God speaks to us and speaks truth, the Spirit of God reveals the things of God to us and makes things plainer and clearer to us. And little by little, we become more like Christ. Listen, we, we see clearly what they could not see. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples, there was a lot that had yet to be revealed to them. You and I look back with the, with the, with the benefit of hindsight, and we can understand things that they could never see. So Christ said, you know what? I want you to know that you're going to have clarity. Okay? I mean, consider where all he's telling you. You're going, right now you're, you're, you're panicked. Right now you're freaking out. Right now you don't understand what, what all is going to happen, but I want you to know you're going to have comfort. I want you to know that you're going to have joy. I want you to know that you're going to be encouraged. And I want you to know that you're going to have clarity and you're going to be able to see things clearly. And lastly, he tells them, I want to speak to you some words of peace. John 16, 33. The very last verse before he went into the garden to pray, he said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. When he says, in the world, he's talking about this old world order, the way things are down here right now. You can't have peace in this old world order. It ain't going to work. And it sure ain't going to have no peace in the new world order. It's going to get even worse. 
There's going to be tribulation. John 16, 7 and 8, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He said, don't worry, you're going to have some peace. You're not going to have to do it. Listen, you're not going to have to do it in this world. Don't worry, I'm sending the Spirit of God. He's going to do the conviction. You won't have to do it. Don't worry. Listen, aren't you glad we don't have to do that? We fall short ourselves. Thank God I don't have to convince somebody that they're lost. I can't convince. All I can do is tell them the truth. The Spirit of God does that work for me. Then when he's come, he will approve the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. John 16, 13, how be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself or whatever he shall hear. That shall he speak and he will show you things to come again. You can have peace because you don't, you, he's going to keep you on track. You can have peace because he's not going to let you go astray. He's going to keep you straight on things. He'll show you things to come. John 15, 19 through 21. If you were of the world, the world would love his own because you're not of the world. You chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. He said, remember the word that I've said, the servant's not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute me, uh, persecute you. But if they, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these will they do unto you for my name's sake because they know not him. That sent me. So listen, it's not you they're after, it's me. It's me. He's saying, listen, you don't have to take it all on you. I'm taking it. They're after me. And I want to share one more passage of scripture with you before we close. Romans 8, 36 and 39. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, as it is written, for thy sake, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yes, that's true. There are people dying for their faith all over this world. It happens all day long. It's happened all day long for as long as anybody can remember. So I'm supposed to have peace in that, Jesus? Yeah. He said, he said listen. In all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. We're more than conquerors. But, but, but Lord, they may kill us for what we believe. Lord, they may hate us for what we believe. Lord, they may do us wrong for what we believe. Paul said, I'm persuaded that death can't separate us from the Lord Jesus Christ. So if they killed us, they didn't separate us. They may have tried to get us away from us, but they just sent us like this. Amen? He said, I'm persuaded that life can't separate us because he's going to be with me here. I'm persuaded that angels can't separate us. I'm persuaded that principalities or powers, that's the devil and his forces, they can't separate us. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm so persuaded that nothing around me now, nothing present, nothing that's to come, nor things to come, nor 
I can't get high enough to separate me from God. Nor high. He said, I can't go low enough to separate me from God. In 139 Psalms, I think what David said, though I make my bed in hell, thou art there. I can't go to get away from you. There's nowhere, he said, nor any other creature. There ain't nothing alive or has ever been alive that shall separate, that shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He said, in me, in me, you might have to. In this world, you can have tribulation. Well, you know what? Get out of the world. Get out of the world. So I got to be in this world. I live in it. You don't have to. You don't have to love it. You don't have to. You don't have to entrench yourself in it. Come out from among them and be separate, as we talked about in Sunday school. Touch not the unclean thing, and I'll be a father of them. These things have I spoken of. And in me, you might have peace. Their life at that moment was fixing to change, and it was fixing to be very unpeaceful for a little while. But in the middle of the unrest, in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the hopelessness, they could find peace in Christ. And I'm going to say to you this morning as I close, Whatever you may find yourself in there, and you may find yourself in all kinds of situations, but no matter what you find yourself in, he is not going to leave you without comfort, without hope, without joy, without encouragement, without peace. I'm going to tell you something. Our Lord will give us clarity and give us a vision and can keep us right on track. We have the power of God. We have the joy of God. We have the peace of God. We are more than confident. We ought to let them, we ought, if I was able to redeem the Lord's sake, we ought to let it be known. I'm a child of God. I'm not ashamed. And nothing the devil can ever do can change it. I mean, I'm standing there. Thank the Lord for what he's given. Give him praise for, for what he's given. He deserves all of praise. He deserves all the glory. 313 don't sing. Father, we come before you, and we thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for these many weeks that we've spent in these last three chapters. Lord, hearing the final words of our Savior, these disciples. Lord, what a comfort it is to know that no matter what we face, Lord, they faced those three days of not knowing what would happen when you were in that grave. Lord, we face some dark hours too. We face some hours when you hide yourself and we can't find you. Lord God, help us to, to have faith and know that nothing can change our status with you. Nothing can separate us. Father, I just pray you be a caution and courage for us to live joyfully and to witness saving power, Lord Jesus. Please bless each one. Lord, do a work in our hearts now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Them bones going to rise again. You ever heard that song? Thank you. 